I've got good news for you. Two Cubs are slated for big bounce back years in 2022. I'll explain shortly. Plus, the Carlos Correa as the Cubs next shortstop thing might be legit. Locked on Cubs, Thursday edition, coming at you. You are locked on Cubs. Your daily Chicago Cubs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is indeed Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and happy Thursday to you. I'm Andrew Bellison, your host at Chicago Cubs PA on Twitter at Locked On Cubs Twitter for the show. We love to engage with Cubs fans. Please, please reach out. Engage with us on social media. Keep it respectful. Keep it fun. But it makes things more fun for me. So please interact with us. We love, love, love to hear from you. Before we get going, I want to thank you for making Locked On Cubs your first listen each and every morning. Listen, we are ranked as the 36th podcast in all of the country in terms of baseball on Apple. That's a big deal for me. I'm proud of that. I'm proud to call you Cubs fans and friends. Thank you for listening every day, man. This is still new to me, and I'm just really enjoying it as we go, and I hope you are too. But thank you for that because you're the reason reason why 1,000%. Great stuff today. Continuing our list of players that have starred for both the Cubs and the dreaded Cardinals. We also keep rolling uh, in our look at the best player to wear each Cubs uniform number in the entire history of the organization. That's really good stuff. But first, some Cubs nuggets, Carlos Correa, and bounce back years. This is like the feel-good segment of the week here as we head to uh, a big holiday weekend here. The the. The Fangraphs has two current Cub players slated for big-time bounce backs in 2022. So here's how this was done. I thought this was super interesting. The article and the criteria were based on WRC+. For those not familiar, WRC+, takes the statistic runs created and adjust that number to account for important external factors like ballpark or era that a certain player plays the game, okay? It's adjusted. So a WRC plus of 100 is league average, and 150 would be 50% above league average. I kind of look at it like a bowling handicap or a golf handicap. This kind of levels the playing field in terms of players maybe who played at different times or who played in different ballparks, et cetera, et cetera, to try to take their body of work and make it at least comparable to that of another player from a different era, et cetera. So for instance, a player who plays his home games at a hitter-friendly ballpark like Coors Field is going to have a lower WRC plus than a player who posts identical numbers at a pitcher-friendly Oakland Coliseum. Does that make sense? So that's how this was used to judge who's going to have a big year in 2020 year 2022 or a bounce back year. Okay. WRC plus essentially quantifies run creation 
and normalizes it so we can comp compare these players of different ballparks, different eras, et cetera, et cetera. So Fangraphs comes out with this list. Who's going to have the biggest bounce-back years of 2022? I guess this is good and bad. To have a bounce-back year, you must have had a bad year last year. But the good news is Fangraphs is predicting that you're not going to have that kind of year again coming up. So number four on this list of 25 players, Cubs' very own David Bodie. Good news, bad news. Last year, didn't perform very well before or after his injury. Before the shoulder injury for Bodie last year, he was hitting just 201 with a 280 on base percentage, albeit with at least some bad luck baked in, according to the, the sabermetric numbers. After the injury, things got even worse. Hit just a buck 97 and a 273 on base percentage. So his WRC plus there after injury last year, 60. So way below league average. Awful season overall. If he does get a good bump from that and the Fangraphs prediction is correct, that could leave him still far short of average, but we'll see. It's happy to see that he's number four on the list. Now, if healthy and performing where we've seen him perform, got good power, right? Utility guy, super uh, versatile in terms of defense. Where does he fit in? That's the million dollar question. So, I mean, if he's hitting, right, you, you want him in the lineup. But with Horner and Madrigal and maybe Carlos Correa, we'll touch on that here in a moment because those rumors apparently were legit. We'll talk about here in a second. Where does he fit in? That I don't know. But we'll be, we'll be tuning in to see how that all unfolds. Now, number 10 on the list, another Cub, Jason Hayward. Fangraphs predicts him to have a big bounce back year. Now, I know this feels like a broken record to me. We have been complaining as Cub fans about his offensive production his entire Cubs career. You couldn't argue with the defense. Uh, may have slowed a step or two, but still so solid in the outfield. I mean, we all know about the World Series speech. The guy's a phenomenal player. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's had a really good major league career. But in terms of what we expected, what he did with the Cardinals in his last year in St. Louis before coming here, I think we expected bigger things at the plate. and We have just never got it. So, first of all, what's the playing time going to be like for him in 2022? That's a that's a very big question mark, depending on how the Cubs outfield shakes out. Taking a look back at 2021, when you go through the numbers and the advanced metrics, the walkout rate, the walk rate cratered, strikeouts climbed through the roof, hard contact rate was not good at all. The soft contact rate blew up, ground ball rate increased, et cetera, et cetera. So all the negatives that you don't want to see essentially were magnified. Um you might not expect him to be quite that bad in his age 32 season, which will be next year in 2020, 2022. But you also, I essentially wouldn't look at the total picture and immediately think bounce back candidate just because of the year he had last year and the age. But here's here's my thing with that. This is kind of where I weigh in on this. If you're going to pick and choose the spots where he's essentially going to start, and you're David Ross, okay, you can put him in the most favorable matchups possible and and potentially dictate more success in a more limited role in 2022. I don't want to call it platoon, but maybe that is the right word. Maybe it is a platoon role. Plus, don't forget to mention the veteran leadership. I know that's not something that you could put a number on and quantify, but I never like to overlook what he can bring to an otherwise fairly young Cubs roster in terms of um, experience and having been there. I mean, that's so, so underrated in my mind. And he is a phenomenal veteran leader in that clubhouse. 
Now, to what I touched on before, Carlos Correa to the Cubs as the shortstop in 2022. Is it possible? We were all just speculating before about how serious things may have been. Well, Bruce Levine, fine Cubs reporter, said this. While contact between MLB teams and players is prohibited amid the, amid the ongoing lockout, there remains mutual interest between the Cubs and free agent shortstop Carlos Correa, according to multiple sources. The sides had interest before the lockout went into effect on December 1st, and no transactions have been allowed since. Hello! That's an eye-opener. So this was all speculation before that there was talk and then the lockout came to be, and that was it. We didn't know how much interaction between the two parties there actually was or how interested Correa's camp may be in coming to Wrigley Field. Well, great news. I mean, to hear that, that's huge. Have to assume that there's going to be a lot of teams interested in him if they don't have to give him a 10-year deal. And it doesn't sound like the Cubs are super interested in locking him up for 10 years. Now, given that possibility, if they don't want to go that route, um, maybe that deters him from Chicago. And I don't particularly disagree on the 10-year deal. It's scary, man. I know he's only 27 years old, but... Those long-term deals, regardless of opt-out clauses or options, et cetera, et cetera, typically get sour on the back end. It's a long time and a lot of money, and I, and I get it. Um, the caveat here with the 10-year thing is the comps that have happened recently. Corey Seager, obviously, this year before the lockout, getting the 10, 325 mil from the Texas Rangers. Francisco Lindor got 10 years Prior to the start of the 2021 season, that was a $341 million in the form of an extension um, after his trade to the Mets. So coming off a 27-year-old season, or which he'll be 27 for the 2022 season, with a platinum glove and one of his best seasons at the plate, you have to think you're going to be looking in that range dollar-wise and length of contract. There's interest on both sides. That's the phenomenal news. We didn't know that till now. First, we've heard of this. Love it. Bruce, thank you for making our, our weekend that much better here on a Thursday. We'll see what happens. Uh, whether or not he'd take less years to come to the Cubs, if they're not willing to go 10, I we don't know. Uh, maybe the Cubs will say in, in the end, hey, 10 years, you know, in that 300 million neighborhood gets it done. This is a franchise type player playing a franchise type position. It'll be fun to see. Talked about Carter Hawkins yesterday a lot. This is uh, definitely potentially a, uh, a legacy maker for him, depending on how things shake out. Who's the best player to ever wear number 16 for the Cubs? Well, we will take a look at that next. You've heard us talk a ton about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar, really better. It is low in calories. It's low in sugar. It's low in net carbs. It's low in fat, super high in protein. You literally get the best of both worlds. It's delicious and healthy. The flavors are awesome. Peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie, cherry, et cetera, et cetera. If you like those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, but really want to be careful, you're watching what you eat. You don't want to take in too much sugar, which is smart. Good for you. You have to get your hands on the Built Bar Puffs. They're super light, fluffy, marshmallowy through and through, have different flavors, and they're all covered in chocolate. They taste so good, you really won't believe that they're full of protein. Take advantage of Built's offer today. Go to Built.com. 
Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at Built.com. Get 15% off your order. Don't take my word for it. Try Built Bar today. You will love it. Best Cubs to wear number what? Zero to 99. The list rolls on after this. This is Locked on Cubs. Welcome back in the Locked On Cubs. I am your host, Andrew Bellison, at Chicago Cubs PA on Twitter, at Locked On Cubs, the show's Twitter handle. I want to thank you, seriously, for making Locked On Cubs your first listen each and every morning. I, I've been, in all 110% honesty, I've been having so much fun getting my feet wet, settling down, um, you know, kind of getting the, the lay of the land hosting this show. I, I want to thank you for tuning in every morning, whether you do it on your way to work, wherever you download us. We're free and available wherever you find your favorite podcast. So please check us out. And thank you for, for engaging with us um, on social media. It just makes things that much more fun. Fun little countdown that we're doing here uh, amidst the Major League Baseball lockout. It's the best player to wear each uniform number in the history of the Cubs organization. This is awesome. We left off with number 14. Mr. Cub, pick it up with number 15 today. Who's the best player to wear number 15? Having a guess? How about Darwin Barney? Many players have done this number for the Cubs, but Barney gets the nod. He, if you forgot, was a 2012 Gold Glove winner on an otherwise very forgettable 2012 team. Number 16, this is guys one of my all-time favorites. Third base, wore my number 16. Again, can you measure clutch? We talked about that on an episode not too long ago. This guy seemed to be as clutch as you could be, always driving in the big run, Aramis Ramirez. He literally ended a decades-long turnstile at third base with nine years of consistent slugging, played with the Cubs from 03 to 11. That was one of the best trades ever made in Cubs history, going after Aramis Ramirez and Kenny Lofton in 03 for that playoff push. I mean, just great, great move. How about number 17? Easy. Mark Grace. Chris Bryan has the hardware. We know it. Grace is my favorite Cub of all time. I've said it repeatedly. I was a left-handed first baseman growing up in the early 90s in Chicago suburbs. I thought I was Mark Grace. Most hits, over 1,700. And doubles, over 360 of them in the decade of the 90s. There was simply no one better at the dish in the 90s than Mark Grace. Number 18, the best player to wear number 18, Glenn Beckert. A staple at second base for the Cubs in the 60s and 70s. Gold Glove Award winner and always a fan favorite. How about this blast from the past? Number 19, Manny Trio. Infielder actually played with the Cubs two different times in the 70s and 80s. He was an all-star representative in 1977. This is going way back. The best player to ever wear number 20 in a Chicago Cubs uniform, Adolfo Phillips. Played with the Cubs for four years in the mid to late 60s after being traded with Fergie Jenkins by Philly. Good player, Adolfo Phillips. Check him out. How about 21? This is a no-brainer. Sammy, 66 homers in 98, slamming Sammy's the Cubs home run king. He captivated the city for many, many years. Number 22, another Good home run hitter. Bill Buckner, 300 across eight seasons, 77 to 84. Won a batting title in 80. Great, great 
player, great hitter. Gets the nod over Hayward and Pryor for number 22 just for his offensive prowess and his ability to handle the bat. Number 23 is retired by the organization. That should be a pretty good giveaway. Ryan Sandberg, Hall of Famer, second baseman, amazing guy, NL MVP award winner in 1984, nine-time gold glove winner at second base. He also made 10 all-star teams. It doesn't get any better than Rhino. How about Dexter Fowler, the best number 24 in Cubs history? Also worn by Lou Brock before the trade to the Cardinals, but that one still stings, even though we love Lou Brock, so we had to leave that one off. Fowler, catalyst, obviously, in 15 and 16 as the Cubs made those playoff and World Series winning pushes. Number 25, Derek Lee. Two All-Star nods, two Gold Glove awards. Offensive numbers in 05 were literally a season for the ages. He is the best number 25 to ever play for the Cubs. Number 26 is retired too, played left field. You can see it in your head now. The sweet swing of Mr. Billy Williams. 61 NL Rookie of the Year, six-time All-Star, 72 batting champ, Hall of Famer, and really a hell of a human being. Billy Williams, the best number 26 to ever wear a Cubs uniform. We resume this next week. This is fun, taking this trip down memory lane with some of these players and the the numbers they wore, the best to wear this number for the Chicago Cubs. So let me ask you this. Can you still root for your favorite Cub if you find out that they also played for the Cardinals? We'll explain more of this shortly as we continue Our list of those players that played on both the Cubs and the Cardinals, and I'll say this, the list is longer than I realize of some pretty prevalent players. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowls and season and the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action all season long. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive your bonus today. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers Bet Online has for you in 2021. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. So don't wait. Take advantage of all their amazing offers today. Bet Online, where the game starts. More Locked On Cubs coming at you. We welcome you back in a Thursday edition of Locked On Cubs. Happy Thursday to you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. It really, really means the world. Locked On Cubs is proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So we promised you we'd take a look at the remaining group of players who have played for both the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Chicago Cubs. And this list was full of many more prominent players that I had remembered. The Bruce Suters, the Lou Brocks, those big-time Hall of Famers, um, you know, those come to mind right away. Did you remember Rick Sutcliffe was a Cardinal for a season in that 94 strike-shortened year? I had not. We talked about him yesterday. A couple outfielders that played both are playing and played prominent roles with both clubs. How about Dexter Fowler and Jason Hayward? Um, More recent examples to have switched rivalry sides in back-to-back years. Uh, Hayward did Cardinals to Cubs, obviously. Fowler went Cubs to Cardinals. This one I had forgotten about as well. Jose Cardinal, 
Best days, by and large, came with the Cubs. Played six seasons on the north side at Wrigley. But the legend he could have became if Cardinal was a Cardinal for more than parts of just two seasons, we'll never know because that's all he played in St. Louis. But I had forgotten about that. How about this one? We talked about Darwin Barney a little while ago. He was teammates with Ryan Terrio, the riot. Popular Cubs infielder, right? Found postseason glory on the 2011 Cards team. I don't know if you knew that or not. He took home the hardware with St. Louis. Um, Terrio added fuel to the rivalry fire when he said he's on the right side of the rivalry after signing with the Redbirds. Remember that? Maybe you're still a little bit soured. I don't blame you if that's the case. Jaime Garcia, one of the more successful lefties in recent Cardinals history. Garcia was a favorite in St. Louis. Uh, before ultimately appearing in just eight games as a Cub, throwing his last big league pitch for them in 2018. So no success here. That was towards the, the end of his career. This one you might not have remembered. Fan favorite Joe Girardi. Girardi's playing days obviously much more closely tied to his time with the Cubs, but he finished his career with the Cardinals in 2003. Do you remember that? He's gone on to bigger things as a manager since then as well. This is going way back. Ripper Collins. He was part of the legendary Gas House gang. Collins was sent to Chicago as part of the trade that brought Lon Warnicky to the Cardinals. You a big Ripper Collins fan? Maybe you are now. Don Kessinger, six-time All-Star for the Cubs. Kessinger spent most time of any individual on this list, 1,648, to have later played as a Cardinal, making 204 appearances as a Redbird. How about John Jay of more recent uh, variety? Like Daniel Descalso, John Jay was another Cardinal favorite and champion from that 2011 team, later continued his career as a Cub. Good little lefty hitter, John Jay. And then Hoyt Wilhelm, another Hall of Famer, spends parts of just two seasons playing for Chicago or St. Louis as part of his 21 year career. Jamie Moyer followed a similar path, breaking into the league as a Cubs draftee and spending one season in St. Louis, but better known for his time elsewhere. Jamie Moyer had a long, long Major League Baseball career. Here's some honorable mentions, guys who didn't pitch, but Tony LaRussa, maybe you didn't know this, played a single game for the Cubs in 1973 before steering the cards to a pair of World Series titles of the 21st century. So he played one game for the Cubs, Tony LaRussa. Now, obviously, the skipper of the White Sox. And how about Harry Carey? Legendary Cubs broadcaster. Started his career with the Cardinals at WKMOX. Called Cardinals games for over two decades before, obviously, ending his career here on the north side. We all love Harry. That's one thing Cubs and Cardinals fans can likely agree on. We do love Harry Carey. That's going to wrap Locked on Cubs this Thursday edition. We have some phenomenal stuff coming up for you next week. We're going to continue our uniform numbers countdown. We have some very, very special guests who are going to join us as well. They're slated for action. Uh, here next week as well. So very, very excited about that. Please enjoy your extended weekend, however you may celebrate your holiday. Keep checking us out on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs, at Chicago Cubs PA. For the last time this week, we thank you for making us your first listen each and every morning. We ask that you make your second listen. Listen, Locked On Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thank you so much for being with us again today. This has been Locked On Cubs. I'm Andrew Bellison. We will see you next week. Take care, everybody.